this series that we're doing right now is, is all about loving people. And when you, you love people, whether that's your church family or your immediate family, your, your biological family, the people you live with, when you love people, our first inclination is to, is to protect them and keep them from going through hard times. But sometimes we, we recognize and acknowledge that we can't always do that. I wish, I wish we could, don't you? I, I wish we could keep each other from going through hard times. I mean, I mean, it absolutely breaks my heart when I have to watch my brothers and sisters in Christ or, or my, my own biological family go through difficult times. But because, because we can't always protect each other from going through those difficult times, we have to help prepare each other to persevere through those hard times. We have to recognize that those hard times are coming. You will go through hard times. Maybe you're going through them right now or maybe you're not. And sometimes when we're not going through those hard times, we could just kind of sit back and get comfortable and just kind of relax. But, but those are actually the times where we need to be preparing. Preparing ourselves Preparing maybe our spouse, maybe our children, maybe our grandchildren, maybe nieces and nephews. We need to be preparing each other because a difficult time is coming. And and one of those difficult times, for, for every believer, I'm convinced, every believer has times where we go through seasons of doubt. And I thought it was helpful. I found some apologists have sort of broken down different types of doubt, and even though there's there's a lot of overlap between these types of doubt, I thought that this was helpful. There, there's one type of doubt that you might call intellectual doubt. It, it's a doubt of the mind, it's something that someone might say things like, "The facts and the evidence are beginning to persuade me that Christian faith is not true." So there are some that that doubt intellectually, that that look and they think and believe that the facts and the evidence are leading them away from faith. And most of the time that we deal with doubt or think about doubt or have sort of apologetics to deal with doubt, most of the time this is the sort of doubt we're talking about. And so we say, well, they, they think the facts and the evidence are leading them away from faith in Jesus, and so we want to give them real facts and evidence that will help lead them back to faith in Jesus. And so we tend to think about doubt and deal with doubt exclusively in this arena, the arena of the mind and the intellect. But, but that's not even the most common type of doubt. There's also what we might call volitional doubt, which is the the doubt of the will. It's not really concerned about whether or not it's true. It's just whether or not I want to do it. I I don't want to believe in or follow the teachings of Jesus. But the most common type of doubt, and in fact, again, there's a lot of overlap between these. The most common type of doubt is emotional doubt. As we look at what we're experiencing or what other people are experiencing People often go through moments and seasons of their life where they say, I feel like this may not be true because of what I'm experiencing or because I look out at the world and I I see what other people are experiencing. I feel like this may not be true. And often people begin a season of emotional doubt wanting it to be true but afraid that maybe it's not true. And, And church... 
there's probably quite a few of us in this room right now, or maybe some that are watching online, that are in a season of this type of emotional doubt. In fact, I would say it this way, anyone honestly thinking about life and faith will likely experience periods of emotional doubt. You could probably even drop the word likely. Anyone who thinks very seriously about life and faith will have at least a season, a moment in their life where they experience emotional doubt. Maybe, maybe several of these types of seasons of emotional doubt where they are afraid, where you are afraid, where we are afraid. Maybe this isn't true. Maybe God isn't going to keep his promises. Maybe God isn't who I, I want him to be and I think he is. And, and we go through this season. Even if you haven't gone through a season of emotional doubt, your brothers and sisters around you have maybe. Your family will likely go through seasons like this. If you're a parent, your children will likely have a season of emotional doubt where they're afraid that maybe these things that mom and dad said to me, these things that I, I heard in church, these things that I, I read about, maybe this isn't true. But the, the good news about that is that, again, this is a universal experience. And God knows that we are going to have seasons like this. And believers have always had seasons like this where we ask really tough questions and we really ponder these things and say, is this really true? Is it true in spite of the way I feel? Is it true in spite of what I'm experiencing? Is it true in spite of what's going on in the world? Are these things really true? And we have to prepare one another to go through and persevere through these seasons of emotional doubt. And this is one of the reasons that we have the Psalms. The Psalms give us prayers to help us Deal with doubt. The Psalms give us permission, permission to go through these seasons of doubt, these seasons of, of questioning things. And not only do they give us permission, not only does God through the Psalms give us permission to struggle and ask hard questions, but the Psalms give us words to pray when we're going through a season of emotional doubt. He gives us sort of a, a track to run on so that we're not going through this season aimlessly. But this is, this is what we have to do as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, as brothers and sisters. We have to help prepare ourselves and prepare others that you're going to go through seasons like this where you're asking these hard questions, where you're wondering, where you're even doubting, where it hurts. And you're asking, where is God? Where is God right now? Where is God as I go through this? Where is God when these things are happening in the world? Where is God when these things are, are going on? You're going to have seasons where you ask these questions and scripture gives you the prayers to pray when you go through seasons like this. That's why it's so important that we learn to sing songs like we just got through singing. 
It's why it's so important that we write psalms like this on our heart. I mean, they seem kind of negative, don't they? It seems very negative, and we'd rather talk about happy things. But not every moment is is a happy moment. Not every moment is an easy moment. And maybe you're asking these questions right now. Where is God? But even if you're not asking them right now, you or someone that you love will be asking that question very soon. And the good news is God knew that we would be asking those questions because his people have always been asking these questions and he's given us prayers to pray. He's given us permission and the words to get through and persevere through seasons like this. Look at Psalm 42 and verse 1. Again, this phrase is really familiar to us, but for me, it's, it's almost overly familiar to me. And I almost miss the imagery of it. The psalmist says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? See, I always, I always picture the wrong thing in my head when I read this. When I read this or I sing those songs as the deer pants for the water, I always picture a deer drinking from a stream. But, but that's not what it says, right? It's not the picture of a deer drinking from a stream of water. It's, it's the picture of a deer panting like a dog, panting for water. And he doesn't have any. He's thirsty. He's desperate. He's nearly dying of thirst. But he knows. And that's important, isn't it? The deer knows that for which he thirsts. And the psalmist knows that for which he thirsts. And this is why these words are so important to impress upon our hearts. Because when we go through a dry season, and maybe you've been there before, or maybe you're there now, or maybe you will be there soon, or maybe someone you love will be there soon, in a dry season... Sometimes all we know is a dry season, and I'm thirsty, and I'm hurting, and, and, and life doesn't make sense right now. But sometimes we don't know that for which we thirst. We don't know what we're thirsty for. We just know we're thirsty. And this is why these psalms are so important, because they remind us, hey, regardless of what you might be feeling or thinking, here's the one for whom you thirst, God. God is the one for whom you thirst. Because if you go through a season like this, a a dry season, a, a thirsty season, a season where you're desperate for something to fill the void and the hole in your life, you might, if you don't know that for which you thirst, you might look for something else to quench your thirst. You've been there? And you've gone to all the wrong places and all the wrong things and all the wrong people to fill the void, to quench the thirst. And the Psalms remind us when you're going through seasons like this, seasons that hurt, seasons where you're thirsty, seasons where you're dry, the one for whom you thirst is the Lord. And so cry out to him and tell him, tell him what you feel. Tell him that you're thirsty for him. 
Tell him that I'm panting for you. My soul is panting for you. I want to stand in your presence. I want to be face to face with you. You're the one for whom I in those dry seasons that he's the one for whom we thirst like a thirsty deer panting for streams of living water. He says in verse three, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Isn't it amazing? I, I, I don't know that, that people that ask that question know that it comes straight from Scripture. But this is the question that people always ask, isn't it? Every time something horrible happens, some people ask it longingly. Where's God? Where's God when these things happen? And sometimes people ask it, as in this case, mockingly. Where's your God now? Where's your God now? Where's your God when these things happen? And so sometimes these, these voices come from an external source, and sometimes they come from an internal source, don't they? Where's my God? Where's my God when I got that news? Where's my God when that happened? Where's my God when, when I experienced this? And so sometimes there's an external voice saying, where's your God now? And sometimes there's an internal voice that's saying, where's your God? Where's your God? Why, why hasn't he helped you? Why hasn't he fixed this? Why hasn't he changed this situation? Why is he allowing you to go through this hard time? Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. There's this, this memory. I remember going up to Jerusalem. I remember going up to festival. I remember celebrating. I remember this huge crowd of people, this throng of people celebrating who God is and what God has done. We used to call those mountaintop moments. I had a lot of those at church camp. And those mountaintop moments are so important. Not because you get to stay on the mountaintop. I always wished I could. I always wished I could live at church camp. Because it'd be easy and it'd be great. It'd be wonderful if you could just live all the time just singing and praying with your friends and the people you love the most. But those mountaintop experiences are important because even when you're down in the valley, those are the experience from which those are the experiences from which you draw. And you say, I remember those moments. I remember when I was drinking from the streams of living water. I remember when I was standing face to face with the Lord. And, and sometimes the way we persevere through the valley is to remember the mountaintop is to remember this is what it's like. I know what it feels like. I know what, it, what it's like. I know how to experience those face-to-face -face moments with God. But sometimes we're unable to persevere through the valley because we've never been to the mountaintop. Church, let me tell you, you've got to let your children experience the mountaintop. This is why things like youth group and church camp these, these exciting moments of being with other Christians, celebrating who we are and what we have in Christ Jesus are so important. 
Because there's going to be moments that don't feel that way. And they need the resources to be able to draw from those mountaintop experiences. And even if it's just as a family, some of my best memories that I have from my childhood are driving in our old our old suburban down the road, and my dad would just start a praise song, and then the rest of us would just join him in song. And those moments of singing, whether moments singing with church family on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or at church camp or with my family, those are some of the moments that have gotten me through the seasons of doubt and dryness and the valleys because I say, I know what it feels like. I know what the experience is like to be with God. And even though I feel way far away from him right now, even though I feel isolated from him right now, even though right now my soul is crying out, where are you? I know what it's like to be close with him. And I know that I will have that experience again. And so we have to give that to one another. We have to make sure that we experience how great it can be to stand face-to-face with the Lord, to experience that closeness. So we draw from that when we're not feeling so close. Look at verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mizar. These places are a long way from Jerusalem. These places are a long way from the temple. Mount Hermon is a long way from the city of God. And so he's going through a season They're going through a season. God's people are going through a time where they say, right now I'm very far away. But, but, I will again, I shall again praise him. Hope in God. See, these these truths aren't mutually exclusive. Hope and doubt I'm going through this season where I feel so distant. My soul is cast down. My soul is in turmoil within me. But I will hope again. I will hope in the Lord. I will praise him again. I will be with him again. I'm I'm, I'm not feeling it right now. I'm not experiencing it right now. And so as I go through this season, I need the permission and the words to say, I am in turmoil right now. But do we, do we give each other that permission? Do we give each other the permission to say, my soul is cast down. My soul is in turmoil within me. Or do we tell people, oh, you don't, don't think like that. Don't talk like that. You can't, don't, why would you say that? Don't say that. Just be happy. Just forget about it. We need to have the words to say, my soul is cast down right now. My soul is in turmoil within me, but I will hope in God. I will thirst for God. I will call out to God. I will long for God. I will thirst for God, and I will again praise him. I will again experience that mountaintop moment. Look at verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. 
All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Can you see the the mental image that the psalm is painting for us? Waves and waterfalls. We, We say things like, when it rains, it pours. And you felt that, haven't you? When it rains, it pours. We even use phrases very similar. We say, I I can barely keep my head above water. And if you've ever experienced grief, you know that's exactly what it feels like. It just rolls in like waves. And you feel like maybe you just kind of start to get your head above water and another wave rolls in and it almost overwhelms you. But whatever you're experiencing, it it can feel like waterfalls and waves and breakers that are breaking over your head. But again, the psalmist says, but but I know where life comes from. I know who sustains me. He says, "By, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I know who will help me persevere. See, this is why. We need permission to say what we're feeling and what we're experiencing. But we also need to be reminded of where hope comes from, where life comes from, so that we put our hope in the Lord and we persevere through this season of when it rains, it pours, and I can barely keep my head above water. Because this storm will pass, and we have to know who will bring us through. Verse 9, I say to God, My rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Now I want us to recognize something. There's a difference between acknowledging I feel forsaken by God and God actually forsaking you. Isn't that right? There's a difference between saying God has forsaken me and I feel forsaken. Just because we feel forsaken doesn't necessarily mean that that's reality. And we have to acknowledge both of those truths. It's it's possible that I might feel forsaken by God and I need the permission and the words to say, why have you forgotten me? Why are you letting me go through this? Where are you? Why don't you fix this? But just because I feel that way, just because I feel forsaken, just because I feel like God has abandoned me, just because I feel like God has turned his back on me, doesn't mean that that's reality. My feelings are not necessarily reality. Your feelings are not necessarily reality. The the Psalms give us, God gives us the permission to say, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm experiencing, and it hurts. It hurts. It's painful. I feel like my, a deadly wound is in my bones. But just because I feel abandoned, 
Just because I feel forsaken, just because I feel like God is a long way from me does not necessarily mean that that's reality. Look again at verse 11. He's repeating what he said in verse 5, and he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. As we, as we walk through this and look at this verse, and throughout this psalm, the psalmist is expressing and acknowledging the very real feelings that we've probably all experienced. We have to be able to do that, to acknowledge our feelings and acknowledge our thoughts to God in prayer, sometimes to ourselves, and, and also to our brothers and sisters and to our family. We have to ask ourselves if we're going to have Christian homes where we really take and apply these psalms. Is your, the, is your home the kind of place where your nieces and nephews, where your spouse, where your brother or your sister, where your children, where your family members can come to you and say, this is how I'm feeling. My soul is cast down. My soul is in turmoil within me. Is your home the kind of place where you and your family can acknowledge your feelings? But, but it doesn't stop there. It isn't just acknowledging our feelings. It's also questioning our feelings. Do you see that in the psalm? Why? Why, why am I feeling this way? Why am I experiencing this? Soul, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil? Why, why am I doubting God? Has God actually abandoned me or do I just feel abandoned? Has God actually turned his back on me or do I just feel that way? We have to not only acknowledge our feelings, we also have to question our feelings. Why am I feeling this way? Why am I going through this? Why am I experiencing this? And then we also have to speak hopeful truth to our soul. He says again at the end, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So when we experience these kinds of emotional doubts, we must acknowledge our feelings, question our feelings, and speak hopeful truth to our souls. Don't we? We, we, have, to, we have to acknowledge our feelings and say, this is what I'm experiencing. This is where I am. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm going through. But we also have to acknowledge that my feelings are not necessary, necessarily an indication of reality. And we have to question our feelings. I like the phrase, doubt your doubts. Question your questions. Am I, am I feeling this way because God has abandoned me? Or am I feeling this way because the world is very much as God said it was? The world is broken. And the world has fallen. And the world needs a savior. And this is why I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing. It isn't because God has abandoned me. It isn't because God has turned his back on me. It isn't because God is a long way off. It's because the world is exactly what God said the world was. And that's where we speak hopeful truth to our soul. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the hopeful truth we speak to our soul. It's the hopeful truth we speak to each other's soul. We acknowledge our feelings, we question our feelings, and then we speak hopeful truth to our soul. And we say, listen, 
I know you're going through this. I know you're experiencing this, but this is truth. Truth is the Spirit of God is within you. Truth is Jesus is coming back. The one you're thirsty for is coming. And you're right to long for him. You're right for your soul to pant for him. You're right to anticipate him. You're you're right to say, this isn't right. And why are these things happening? You're right to look for someone to fix it. You're right to look for salvation. And salvation is coming. Jesus is coming to set all things right. It's good for us to long and anticipate God showing up and fixing things, and he will. And as we go through this process of acknowledging our feelings and questioning our feelings and speaking hopeful truth to our soul, This is how we grow spiritually. This is how we go beyond where we are right now. Sometimes we have to go through seasons like this where our soul is thirsty, where our soul is panting, where we acknowledge what we're thinking and what we're feeling and what we're experiencing, and then we question those things and speak the hopeful truth of the gospel to our soul. Maybe you're in a moment like that right now. And you need the gospel healing. You need the Spirit's healing. You need Jesus, whether because you haven't been baptized into Christ or you have, but you feel a long way from him. And you need your brothers and sisters to surround you with love and prayer and hope. Our shepherds would love to meet with you after service if they can help you or you can come forward now as together we stand and sing this song.